This is a Be Groovy or Leave production. Head to BeGroovyOrLeave.com to discover the best in new music. Now on with your show. Hello and welcome to Life on Music. I'm your host, Jesse Napper. If you're new to the show, this is the podcast where I chat with a different musician each week all about music. And this week we have Dan Mack from Art vs. Science. They recently put out a new single called I Saw You, which sounds like this. They also have a new album coming out August 5th called Big Overdrive, so stay tuned for that. But for now, let's listen to my chat with Dan Mack from Art vs. Science. So, from Art vs. Science, we have Dan Mack. How are you doing today, Dan? Oh, very well, thank you. How are you? You know, pretty pretty good. It's It's been a pretty, I, I think you're Sydney-based as well, but it's um been pretty pretty rainy the last week or so. Um, so, you know, stuck inside. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely haven't done any exercise in about a week and I'm blaming the rain, but uh, yeah, 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 I've blamed, (laughs) I've, I've blamed the rain for my lack of exercise in the last 10 years, to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks for, for doing this. I guess we'll start by talking about the, the new single you guys just put out called I Saw You. It's a great, great listen. I had a lot of, I think I've listened, listened to it about 50 times today. So, um. If like Spotify's like their suspicious activity on this song, my apologies. <laughs> yeah. But I guess this song and like the last few songs um, that you've put out have come not not after a break, but like I, I guess it's been seven years since the last album, and not like tons of singles, I guess. So what's it like to be putting music out a bit more frequently now? Uh, good, good, yeah. I, we can call it a break. Seven years is a long time between albums, mm. even if we yeah. were doing singles. So, yeah, it's it's great actually to have an album because it's kind of it's just a bit more exciting to talk about, I suppose, and it's worth cheering everyone up about uh, a bit more, I think, than singles. And this album's just a really fun album, so we're just very happy with it more than anything. Like, it's it was, it was fun to do. Basically, it was like there were some recent tracks in there, but there are a lot of tracks, like, spanning anywhere from, like, two years old to I think I Saw You started literally when we were making the experiment in 2011, like the melody, that as um, Dan Williams mucking about on a piano at Magoo's studio and we've voice memoed that and recorded it. And, yeah, and then uh, added, you know, filled out the track. We actually recorded most of it at an old, my parents' old house in Dural in northwest Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, in this sweaty room next to the attic. And uh, I recorded, I sort of, I guess, engineered it and produced it. And, yeah, heaps of tracks like that are on the album where it's like, let's just set up some mics and drums and stuff in a house where we don't have to pay for studio time or it's not like formally, now nah, start the album recording. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like something to do for fun. Uh, is the at at home um, compared to like a like I guess a proper recording studio? Is that a, a new process for you guys? Well, it's sort of been like a parallel process, I suppose, and like maybe unnecessarily so 
I think we got it into our heads that, because we did that a lot, but then when it came time to actually release something, we were like, okay, that was fun, So, but I, best, I guess we better get into an actual studio now and do mm. it properly. And I think, yeah, the urge to do it properly, quote-unquote, has probably been more of a handbrake than actually a helpful sort of guiding process because properly is a pretty subjective mm. way of looking at things. And, um, yeah, for this one, we just sort of said, let's, like, just have some fun. And a- actually, we were like, we have to put an album out. This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> and we had a grant as well to do it as well from Create New South Wales. So it's mm-hmm. like there's actually – it's the first time we've actually been given money, I suppose, to record something because we've been independent this whole time. And there was a deadline on it. There was like you had to show what you did. So there's – at least a bit of pressure saying you must do it and it must be done soon. So we, yeah, we did a lot of more home stuff here in, in this home studio, I suppose. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not that big, but um, it, uh, after a while we were like, we were doing new stuff, but then it was also like we start a lot of things. We have to actually finish things as well, which I'm sure like heaps of producers have that problem where you just open up a new session and blank canvas start. But something prompted us to just go through some of the hard drives and just see what else is in here because we've been doing this a lot. And, yeah, we've made like a sort of short list of pretty much like 100 songs basically that we'd um, started and not finished. And then, yeah, just sort of skimmed the cream off that. I think that's why it's a fun album actually because it's like they're recent songs and then there's also ones which is like, I remember that. Why didn't we finish that? And I'm like, well, let's just finish that. That's a cool song. What, um, I guess, going through those songs, you said it got, you got it down to like 100, then so down to like more appropriate al- album length, I guess. What is it, I guess, in each song that you would go, oh, this one needs to be on the album or um, yeah, like this one, this one's a good one. Is there anything in particular you guys were looking for in the sounds, I guess? Um, I, get, I think because it was collaborative and there was time constraints, we pretty much just said, because Dan and Jim have kids and, like, other jobs and I've got another job now, like, just to, like, have regular stuff in addition to this sort of passion project. So we didn't have a whole lot of time. So the selection process was basically everyone threw everything they could find into the big list and then we all sat around and pretty much just, like, listened to it and it was no thought basically no like deep analysis which i think was actually worked in our favor it's just like yeah i like that and if two out of three people liked it it'd make it to the next phase and, and it's just as simple as that and it's like how much work does it need to get it done <laughs> if it needs yeah. if it needs heaps then nah, <laughs> we don't leave it for now yeah leave it for now we can come back it's it's not going anywhere it's on a hard drive um mm. So if it's like at a certain level already, then we were like, okay, that's all that needs is a second verse. So all that needs right. is like a little, a little mix. Like some that one's on, that one's finished. <laughs> like, like that sort of thing is sort of, yeah. So I don't know. It, it's hard to set up the circumstances where you're not thinking too much, but somehow mm-hmm. we managed to do it. I think just because we had a bit of a extra pressure and just not as much time as we've had over the years. We were just like, there's no time to sort of spend three days on a song, yeah, which is which may or may not make it at this point. It's like a real like, no, nah, 
these ones, they're nearly done and they're cool. Mm. That, that's it. <laughs> that was the that was the equation. Does it tick those two boxes? And then it gets yeah, right then it gets to the next round. Yeah. Um, I've also read that um, on this album, there are, like some of the songs that are on there, like from the past, were maybe a bit too too experimental or a bit weird for the um, the albums that you've previously put out. I guess what what was it that made them a bit experimental and why have you decided for this next album they're a bit more appropriate? I think again it's. Most like one of the songs I think, which will be sort of the main single on the album launch day on five August, is called Check the Boombox, for example. And that's just one that Dan and I did without Jim, pretty much, which is like, whoa, that's crazy, you can't do that. But it's like, but this song has songs that I've just done on my own, or just me and Dan, or the three of us. So that was actually a criterion which we imposed on ourselves that everyone has to be in the room which we said, nah, I don't know if that's actually like always helping and is it too hard, you know, are we missing a lot of things by rigidly sticking to that rule? So that was one, but also with that tune in particular, it's like it's not another rule. It's basically just breaking rules. So like I don't think they're necessarily experimental in the broad sense of, you know, of music generally. But they're kind of experimental in that they're breaking rules that we imposed on ourselves over the years. And one of them is like that everyone has to like have an input like the UN. Another rule was like, oh, it has to sound like, you know, like our old stuff, which all artists battle with that a little bit. And, yeah, why we thought to do that was basic, like, again, just because, like, we had to do something. (laughs) And, like, yeah, and I don't know. Uh, like bands I've been listening to lately, like I love the um, the Avalanches last one, mm-hmm. and for me, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard just like I I don't know if it's consciously their ethos, but like when I hear their music, I'm like it sounds like they just look, they care, but they're not like I don't know they don't feel too. The only thing I'd say they sound beholden to is uh, that it has to be lo- lo-fi, like you know, right home recording. And, but I don't know if that's a constraint. I think typically that would mean you can maybe they want to record it on an iPhone or, you know, whatever it is. It sounds like they're not like like they'll do a metal album, then a jazz album, then a, you know, uh, a prog album and, and that sort of thing. And I love the sound of a band being quite free, I suppose, just doing whatever feels good. Yeah, so, yeah, was, that's that's pretty much it. We just sort of like we've got to do something. We've done a ton of stuff. We've thought in that we've rejected all this stuff we've done in the past because we thought it was not like, you know, the fans won't like it or it's not quite us enough or it's not poppy enough or all this shit that no one actually cares about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think... Um... The first, the first time I ever heard you guys, I can't remember what year it would have been, would have been just after the second album came out. And I was studying audio engineering at the time. And one of my, one of my lecturers, lecturers, a guy named Paul McCurcher, who worked on that album with you guys, nice. yeah. um, he kind of, he just brought in one of, your, one of the sessions one day. I can't remember what song it was. Um, I, wish I, I wish I could. And it was just kind of amazing to hear, I guess, because we were all still learning just what goes into um, just one of your songs. I remember it had like crazy backing vocals, whatever whatever the song was. I should remember. Um, yeah, I wonder what it was. Yeah. I, I, f- I feel like it was something maybe that didn't end up on the album. It had these kind of 
Queen-like backing vocals. Yeah, it was probably Dance Computer. That sounds about right. Yeah. See, that should have gone on the album. That's a, <laughs> Anyway, so you don't want to live in the past. But, yeah, yeah, that was, that was a fun song. Also fit into that box of, like, is it pop? Is it, you know, is mm. it like us? Anyway, please go on. It sounds like you had a question coming after that. Yeah, it was <laughs> just... Um, I'm sure I did have a question. <laughs> I, I never have a question. It's just just go until something comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's um, it was more just a comment. Like I guess you never like listening to a song a lot of the times. You don't think, um, oh, they've done this and and this and th- this layering of synths and layering of vocals and stuff. Um, and I remember him mentioning like just doing the vocals just took, um, just the backing vocals took a whole day to. To complete, just because the harmonies were a bit, a bit odd. Yeah, I remember that. I guess doing this album, where it's a bit more self-produced and self-engineered and stuff, is there any difference with the? I guess the length it takes to do do something like that. Oh, hundred percent. And it's interesting you mentioned um, that last record as well, because it's like I think that was a pretty good record. I mean, everyone always I think the experiment was really good because we had a great producer in Magoo. And the last record was great with Paul as well. But in terms of the money and the first one, in terms of like pound for pound money spent and end vibe sort of thing, our very first EP was like we spent like three days in the studio recording Mm -hmm. it and maybe a couple more mixing. Got longer for the experiment. For For the off the edge of the earth, it was like weeks and we would have spent like a hundred grand and like we got the SSL room at Studio 301 to mix it and just like poured money into it and it was hectic and it didn't do as well, nearly as well as the experiment. It probably cost, oh, maybe not, didn't cost as much either. We spent a lot on marketing experiment. Anyway, this latest one was like mostly home studio ones, minimal time spent doing it, like three takes max on mm-hmm. vocals and things like that. And if it wasn't happening, then it's like like we were erring on the side of not getting enough takes, basically. And when I was comping, I was like, oh, I probably should have done one more. <laughs> on, on a handful of tracks, I was like, didn't quite get that. But, you know, the microphone's just there. I'll just do it again. But, yeah, real speedy, huge emphasis on speed and not spending too much. And, yeah, because, yeah, basically we had a certain budget. It was pretty small. And it's like that much has to be on marketing and this much has to be on that. And it's just, A, there's bugger all left to spend on a good studio and B, like, I don't know, studios just starts, they started, they just kind of freak me out a little bit now. Right. Because there's such a, especially, I don't know, like you really need a producer who you either trust implicitly or their mates or something like that so that Mm -hmm. you don't fall into the trap of like, switching from being a human being who likes jamming to like being the star and delivering the the correct performance mm. for this, you know, enterprise. Because the what you do as a musician I think is vastly different depending on the frame of mind that you're in. And mm. I uh, yeah, uh, and I think going going into a studio and especially paying a lot to go into a studio opens the doorway to 
inhabiting that latter archetype, I suppose, and and aiming for correct rather than vibe or having fun or you mm. know which has to be it has to be the priority like like um the 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 end product it's annoying to call it a product but the end result is um it's just so much better that and there's like there's songs on this album where it's like we were at actually at the grove at a really good recording studio mm-hmm. and i think the main song which came from that which is on this album we didn't even do it in the studio we were sitting around the kitchen table and Dan was mucking around on his laptop and it's cause we were sitting around having dinner, drinking beers, having laughs and like that sort of thing. That's when you get a cool song, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, definitely. you distill a good energy into, you know, into that work and then, then it comes out. But if you, if we had gone in and into the main room and it's 700 bucks a day and or a thousand a day or whatever it is now and, Say, okay, Tom, now write a song. And it's like, <sighs> you know, maybe some people are good at that. Or maybe if you've got like a big label budget or something, you can, you don't, you can switch it. You can block that yeah. out, block yeah. out how much it's costing. But I struggle with it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Also with recording um, at home, Obviously, like a studio, if you go into a studio, it's a bit more, I guess, it, well, it's definitely purpose-built to have things sound good, good in a room um, where there are always those kind of um, constraints or just issues that you'll have in a normal, like in a bedroom or something or a room in a house because it's not built to sound, sound good. Were there any things you had to do to kind of, I guess, battle getting, getting, sound, getting things to sound good? Nah, <laughs> not really. No. Good answer. Yeah, yeah. It's like with, you know, with digital processing these days, it's so, so easy. Like I remember reading this because I started audio engineering as well in like, like nearly 20 years ago now at TAFE. And I remember when you first go into a studio, you're like, this is incredible. It's like a spaceship. Everything you do in here must be amazing. And then reading articles about people saying, no, it's about vibe. You have to get the vibe. Mm-hmm. You have to get sure. around, you know. And as a young engineer, you're like, what are they? I don't know what they mean. So what they're saying must be bullshit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all about the, the best, the best stuff. Yeah. And yeah, we, there's one of the tracks called Moonlight on it. And the lead sort of vocal was recorded on a like headphone, you know, the microphones on headphones, like that sort of mm-hmm. thing for phones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was recorded on that because that, that was sitting around. And it's got like a gnarly electronic buzz and it sounds shit. But we couldn't, we couldn't re-record a better, a better quality thing of the lead one because it was 2 a.m. and I had just heard the bass line and I came in and I was like, oh, I've got an idea and it's this, you know, and sang it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like no matter what you do, you're never going to like – replicate that emotional quality at 2 p.m. in a even in your home studio mm-hmm. somewhere later on like because you're trying to copy something which was like just came out I don't know it was just organic I suppose sure so yeah like that that sounded crap there's another one and check the boom box we recorded that in a living room in someone's house through like it was so fun like just like 
my grandpa's old EQ box, or like a $200 mixer. We had some good mic pre's as well, some Neve clones. And then, like, anything that was missing then, I just, like, did some cheeky little sound replace not replace, but sound supplementy things. So kick's a little too boxy and there's not enough thump in the sub. I just find one <laughs> on Logic, yeah, sure. which has it, and then just mix it in and then squash the end of it, glue the end of it together. And, like, the snare's not quite snappy enough, so there's, like, it's like 50 snares in Logic and one of them has exactly what's missing from the real one. But then because it is in a living room and because the snare drum did go through some weird stuff which at the time to me sounded just right when I cranked this and distorted that, then all the characters there of us going away for a weekend in the Blue Mountains and having some fun mm-hmm. and playing with fun toys and stuff so and that's what you can't get later like I think later on when you're mixing and polishing and bringing everything to the front and you know gluing and sparkling and all that you can I think it's very easy to just bring you know a bit more sub to a kick or a bit more crack to a snare so much easier to do that and almost impossible to bring character and vibe sure to a to a lifeless take unless you like really dig into it and like start adding all that overdrive and doing all that sort of stuff yourself but yeah Yeah, yeah. you know that's another thing yeah i'm definitely with you on that um definitely about the vibe rather than like there's this song do you know the band the basics i've heard of them it's basically um gautier's kind of rock band that he yeah and um they had this song so hard for you it's probably in my opinion their best song horribly recorded yeah um and it's it was also like it was like wasn't like an early demo or anything it was just a thing they released in their kind of peak or whatever yeah um but the song's so good and the vibe's so good of it that it doesn't like really bother you listening to it yeah yeah because your brain like well i don't know i I don't can't speak for that specific example but your brain i don't know i'm thinking of manish boy by muddy waters that one, which is like, yeah, that guy screaming in the background. And it's like, yeah, who cares? Like the kick sounds a bit like a cardboard box, but like, mm-hmm. but someone's there going, boom, 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 come, boom, yeah. boom, boom, come. And he's like feeling it. So it's like, like in a way, recordings are there to sound fantastic, but they're also there as a sort of prompt for your imagination to paint that, you know, that world as it's happening. It's like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, this, there's this music happening here. So, which is why, like, recordings from, like, today back to 1950 sound, like, they sound vastly different but pretty sure. much achieve similar results. Well, certainly back to, like, the late 60s or something like that where it's like the, the, the sound of drums has changed so much and come back to certain types and like but at the end of the day it's like it's something it's almost like a prompt for the the listener's brain to Mm -hmm. to do something so it doesn't quite matter precisely what the sounds are so long as yeah that that vibes right or Mm. yeah i think i'm now i'm rambling (laughs) no 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 you're right you're right Um, and i guess like unless you're a musician or like an audio person like no one, no one gives a shit what microphone you used. Yeah, um, if it sounds good enough, it sounds good enough. 
Yeah. And by all means, get a nice clean kick and snare. Sure. Because that's going to be helpful later. Like there are like, you know, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at recording over the last mm-hmm. 10 years because I've done a lot of really bad ones and tried to mix them <laughs> myself right, yeah. and get good monitoring, you know, with a sub and like and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, focus on your room mics and just getting cool stuff at the time when you're recording. Yeah, because it, it just comes in so handy later and it's really hard to sort of do after the fact. I mm, think. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it's been, been great chatting today. Um, looking, looking forward to the, the new album. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been good to talk to you too, geeking out about audio. Thanks for listening and thank you to Dan for chatting with me. Don't forget to check out Art vs. Science's new single, I Saw You, wherever you buy or stream music and be ready for their new album coming out August 5th called Big Overdrive. But that is all for this episode. Until the next one, goodbye. Life on Music was brought to you by Be Groovy or Leave. Head to BeGroovyOrLeave.com to discover the best in new music.